It's no secret that Americans are enduring an affordable housing crisis. Average home prices are on the rise and outpacing wages in 80% of U.S. markets. Rentals have proved not to be the solution, and nearly 20 million Americans spend more than half of their total income on rental payments that don't generate any equity. Generally, a resident is said to be cost-burdened when they are spending more than 30% of their income on housing. The root of the problem lies in housing supply. As younger generations are flocking back to metropolitan areas to find work, there is simply not enough affordable housing to meet demand. There is a short supply of rentals and apartments as well, as rents are going up just like home prices. Manufactured housing can help meet demand for affordable living. In this episode, we'll take a look at a brand new development in New Braunfels, Texas called Dwelling. First, we'll hear from Patrick Revere of MH Insider Magazine. He knows the MH industry inside and out and can speak to why Dwelling in New Braunfels signals the future of affordable housing. more about how manufactured housing does fill gaps in affordable housing. This is really the big question. How do we do more? Let's say use as an example, get that 10% of the housing starts that we're responsible for annually each year. How do we grow that to, you know, 12, 15, 20%, whatever it may be. And uh, inevitably it comes back to zoning because when you talk about stigma, uh, when you talk about NIMBYism, which, you know, of course, is not in my backyard mentality in some neighborhoods, some areas in terms of manufactured homes, factory built homes. It has been, you know, a difficult role at times getting people to understand who we are and what we do. Those who get it, get it. And then a lot of folks we have to spend a lot of time with. Fortunately, at the national level, there's been like a task force kind of playbook approach that's beginning to talk to planning and zoning officials in particular, including uh, inspectors at the same time. You know, and this is a beneficial type of conversation where we're able to, uh, you know, talk about the high quality and efficient, sustainable homes and communities that we offer. I grew up in Tucson, Arizona, and I know that when I was younger, uh, when people would talk about a mobile home park, you know, of course, a lot of people would call it a trailer park, which you know, we don't use that language anymore, nor should we, because that's part of it. You know, it's just sort of like this. You're judging 20 million people on a juvenile, uncomfortable experience that you had in your neighborhood when you were a kid. If you don't take a little bit of time to get out of your car or talk to, you know, somebody who's sitting in a class next to you who might live you know, at Key Village and get to understand who they are and why they choose to be there. And yes, choice. It's amazing. Like people think that people need to live in mobile home parks. People don't need to live in mobile home parks. There's a lot of places to live. People choose to live in mobile home parks. You know, it's this kind of conversation from the very clear, obvious stuff. Like why in the world would you discriminate against a home because it's built in a factory when everything else we make is built in a factory? You know, you're getting back to the playbook. You're getting back to talking with local inspectors and zoning officials and planning officials. Manufactured homes do maintain and increase in value similarly to site-built homes. The, the story's on our blog and it's in government reports. Do you feel like there has been some 
cost savings in the manufacturing process too of these homes? Yeah, absolutely. I think they get better all the time. And I mean, even, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you were seeing huge efficiencies just by the nature of the business, working out of a factory, being able to order in bulk and have storage space for materials. You're not leaving materials out in the elements. Okay. So you don't have a lot of waste. Uh, in general, I think the companies in our industry have done a really good job of creating efficiency around waste and around labor. And most factories working at full tilt can get a home or two to five homes off a line in a given day. Uh, nobody else is building homes in a day. Yeah, no. You know, that just doesn't happen anywhere else. You guys just came out with a recent issue of the magazine. And it was all about ADUs. Can you tell us a little bit about them and what's the phenomenon behind them? It is a fairly new part or sector of MH. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it fits in, you know, it meets the aesthetic, I think, that a lot of people think of with tiny homes. It's basically what people thought of as like a, a granny flat or, you know, if you have a guest house out back, right? So you can put this thing in and because it's attached to land and also, you know, basically looked at as an extension of your primary residence, you can get it in there, but you can use it for rentals. You know, it can be an independent residence. So if you're living in Silicon Valley and you have a large piece of property, everything's at a premium. And like you were saying earlier, a lot of the, the folks who work in that area outside of the high-end Silicon Valley jobs have to drive in or, you know, unfortunately are sleeping in RVs alongside of the road, you know, outside of Stanford, which has been, you know, a terrible situation. So this provides a place for a small, good place for somebody to rent out for a reasonable market price. And it can be, you know, an income producing thing for the resident who owns the home as well. Yeah, I, I love the idea because, uh, you know, it's it is expensive. I, we're based here in Denver, Colorado. Average home prices are around 400, 450. And then I think also just in terms of different demographics and what they're wanting, that's changing. Uh, you know, we have people that are not wanting to be bogged down by big mortgages. Tell us about how you see MH and some of the trends, maybe with different types of demographics, whether millennials or what are they calling them now? Zoomers? Yes. I think you introduced me to that term. <laughs> I had to look it up today. <laughs> I hear stories about you know, people in their 20s. I have a few people on my on my team and, you know, they want to do other things besides just being bogged down by mortgages. They want to travel the world. They want to see things. They want to be flexible. Traditionally, I think about my parents, it was their whole salary pretty much went to the mortgage and not much more. They didn't have opportunity to travel. So right. how do you see that changing with this industry? And have you seen certain trends? It is a different mindset. I think, you know, you have folks that are starting a serious relationship later in life, having children later in life. These younger buyers, they're really conscious of affordability, you know, so obviously we can talk affordability. You know, you have uh, some student loan debt out there that I think is playing into that decision making. But in general, younger generations, millennials and Zoomers are more what you might call minimalist, you know? So anecdotally, they'd rather have a flex space rather than a theater, you know, if you're talking about a home setting. 
you know, they want to know that they're leaving less of a footprint. And that goes to home size. It goes to the sustainable infrastructure of the home. It goes back to what we were just talking about, you know, during the, the construction of the home. They're signing on the dotted line knowing that the entire process had less impact on the environment than, than any other form of home they can buy. Cameron Robles and Elena Parker are landscape designers at MP Studio, based in San Antonio. They are part of the design team that created the unique, multi-generational amenity spaces at Dwelling. Cameron and Elena shared with us their journey of designing a new community from the ground up and gaining inspiration from the surrounding city of New Braunfels. So I wanted to ask, how is the dwelling, our new ground up community, different or unique in New Braunfels? When we think of um, New Braunfels, we think this very tight knit community and it has a lot of unique features. It has the history. It has the river. So there's so many um, unique things to the town of New Braunfels, but it's also growing crazy. It seems like every other Mm -hmm. week there's a new development popping up or new store or new highway going in. So um, the town itself is growing, but it, it has that small town feel. And so um, when we think about the dwelling that's coming into New Braunfels, it's this fresh new product. You know, it's not the traditional manufactured home community that, that you think of, but it really is representing home ownership that is affordable and accessible to singles or young families or even empty nesters. But it's also emphasizing the shared spaces that we're offering in the amenity. And I think the amenity itself is providing the same features that a traditional builder community would be offering. But the vibe seems to be a little bit more fun, a little bit more place making centered. You know, the designers tried to do that through taking elements of the homes and bringing them into the shared spaces, you know, like the front porches. We tried to do that at the amenity center where we offered a community screened porch. So just creating those touch points where residents can come together and share the outdoor space as a community itself. I love hearing about these ideas. So you talked about the screened in porches. What are some of the other things that you're going to be doing uh, at Dwelling New Braunfels? Yeah, we have um, really a plethora of amenities that we try to, you know, for all ages and for all activity levels. So we have um, the pool that has different beach entries or maybe a deeper end with seating. Um, we have a fishing pond that has a custom pier associated with it. Um, we have um, some nature play areas. We have event pavilions a loop trail that's a little bit more passive. We have shaded picnic areas. And then within the actual uh, amenity building, we have an indoor gym, an event space that actually opens up into the pool. We have an outdoor kitchen and then a recreation lawn that can be kind of a flex use type of place also. A long time ago, we discussed a little bit about multi-generational play spaces. What does that entail? In terms of like the playground that we have on site, you know, we're really wanting to use landforms and even like climbing elements, you know, just like these kind of tactile experiences that aren't like your traditional like playground with the slide and swings necessarily. Having kids being able to do that kind of help engage like their motor skills and even the parents can kind of get engaged 
um, or grandparents, you know, with playing on those types of features. We're also going to have that fishing pier. I believe people will be able to kind of fish off of that. So that's kind of another activity that's almost multi-generational. Who do you think the clientele is in New Braunfels? And I mean, is it a fairly young population or is it very diverse or, you know, different age groups? I would say, uh, you know, with Texas State being nearby to New Braunfels itself, too, um, you know, I would say there are probably there is a younger population of even like students kind of living in New Braunfels. I think with Austin itself, just like booming and being along that I-35 corridor, there's a lot more families that are kind of even moving outside of the Austin area. You know, as time goes on, we can expect to see an even more diverse group of people in New Braunfels itself. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see kind of how, you know, things are going to be growing and changing. Good to have different offerings for, you know, those different types of groups. What I've seen of New Braunfels, it's historic, but it's definitely modern. It's kind of melding the two together. You know, wanted to really blend nicely with the surrounding cities. How did you guys design around that? In terms of New Braunfels, you know, you're kind of thinking something more rustic, farmhouse or even like ranch style homes. Just with the freshness of the community, we were kind of wanting to put a twist on that style and kind of clean up some of those lines, but still keeping some of those silhouettes that we as Texans are very like familiar with, almost creating like a modern farmhouse uh, sort of feeling at the amenity center. The materials we're selecting, um, you know, using a lot of wood, things that are kind of very natural to kind of help connect it back to its environment and even, you know, the surrounding New Braunfels area. I think we even looked at the history of the site, it being farmland to keep that sense of place. Yeah. In nature, you were mentioning, of course, with the fish pond and when you see these metropolitan areas or cities, you know, you're starting to lose grass and trees because the building is just going up crazy. And it, it's so significant, yet they're doing a lot of homes on very little land. And so with that, you know, yards are the size of postage stamps, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> yeah. and they have to take down trees, unfortunately. So with this community, I know there's a lot of common areas where that's going to be a focal point, where there's a lot of that emphasis on nature and preserving that. So tell us more about, about how you guys design around that. How do you How do you make sure that that feels natural and it's not disrupted by the construction and, you know, the the structures and things that you are designing that it just helps to emphasize that thought about keeping nature intact? The great thing about, I guess, developing on something that was kind of previously farmland is it's almost like a blank slate, you know, Um, it's not like there were a lot of existing like trees on site necessarily um, that we had to work around or try to incorporate. So it's kind of great in that, you know, we're getting to kind of bring back that habitat to the site. In terms of everything we do with planting, we're really trying to create habitat for pollinators. So, you know, your monarch butterflies, bees, hummingbirds, using native plants to Texas that are really kind of creating habitat for the wildlife, but then also for people. So all of our plant palette was kind of dual purpose and creating that habitat, but also serving kind of as a backdrop for people to have these experiences. Shade trees are very important in Texas. So of course, um, you know, increasing the amount of shade trees and kind of maximizing that on site was important. They provide much needed shade in the summer, um, but they also kind of help create that human sense of scale in the site, you know, with that overhead canopy and kind of refuge. You know, we're also trying to create a seamless transition um, between kind of the interior programming and the exterior programming to kind of really mesh like the feeling of nature, um, you know, with the residents. 
what they're doing, whether that be inside the clubhouse, um, you know, having floor length windows out to the pool and the pond. That really kind of brings the outdoors to the interior. Trent Wagstaff of Yes Communities shared with us what it takes to convince local leadership to shake their preconceived notions of manufactured housing and help solve the affordable housing crisis in our country. Let's talk about New Braunfels. The reason why I'm so fascinated by this new community is because it is truly a community that is starting from scratch, from the ground up. And tell us a little bit about New Braunfels in terms of the market itself. And why did we choose to go into that market? I mean, what is so special about the city and why we wanted to have a community there? When it comes to New Braunfels, the unique thing about this there's just not a lot of properties in manufactured housing that are built from the ground up. It's not like the apartment sector where you see them popping up everywhere. There's a little bit of a stereotype towards manufactured housing, which rubs off and negatively affects us when it comes to cities and you know when, when you're getting zoning and whatnot. There's just not a lot of zoning for it. The difference between a new project, we call it a greenfield or from the ground up, is you have to find a piece of property and 99% of the time, it's not zoned for MH, manufactured housing. We had a partner of ours that found this piece of property and they said, we wanna sell this, we wanna broker this deal to you guys and we're gonna help you get through the process of rezoning it, which was a two to three year process. We've gotta go from the ground up to the city and the city council and the mayor and it's a two to three year process to get them to say, yes, we're going to rezone this to manufactured housing. Now, it, this particular process that we went through was not one that they rezoned it to manufactured housing. What they did is they rezoned it from industrial to SUP, which stands for special use. They wouldn't rezone it, quote unquote, manufactured housing. Why the pushback? I mean, why is it so hard to zone for manufactured housing. When you think about it, you know, it's affordable housing. There are a lot of cities that average home costs are 200, 250,000. I think that's what it is, average cost in New Braunfels. What is it about the local government there that they're apprehensive about zoning it for MH? They currently do have some properties in New Braunfels. It's been something that was built in the 60s or 70s and it has gotten away from the city, right? It's it's gotten away where it's it's being managed poorly, it's not being kept up. And so the negative connotation of that property or those properties within New Braunfels, it's not appealing to the eye, quote, you know, lack of a better term. We'll allow you to write some code into this special use permit to hold our feet to the fire, you know? And so that's what allowed us to be like, hey, we're a professionally managed company. We're not going to let it get away from us. We're going to upgrade a lot of things. We're going to put a lot of amenities there. It's going to feel like a normal residential site-built property. That was really the selling point. And it sounds like within that community, a lot of people were commuting into New Braunfels to work. There's a lot of retail. 
a lot of service industry. And so creating, you know, the opportunity for those people to reside within the city where they work is a huge selling point as well. There is a shortage of affordable housing in New Braunfels. And for those of you that don't know where New Braunfels is, two of the hottest markets in the United States, Austin, Texas, and San Antonio, Texas, it's right in between. All that land in between Austin and San Antonio is soon going to be filled in. I, I, I kind of compare it to Dallas-Fort Worth. Soon, Austin and San Antonio in the next 20 years, I, I don't know what the reports say, but it will be one metroplex here soon. There's a lot of growth going on there. There's a lot of jobs there. And that was one of the biggest selling points to the city council is the people that are commuting in here for these manufacturing or service industry or hospitality industry jobs, they're commuting. They don't live in New Braunfels. And there is, a there is as you said, there's a huge gap between affordable housing and what the median price of a home is there. And there's this need for affordable housing. And there was a lot of pushback, as, as, as I mentioned, but that was the biggest selling point. And, you know, if we could provide, you know, I think the average rental home there is two grand-ish, something like that. And, you know, we're going to be significantly less than that. It's going to be a beautiful property. Thank you for listening to What Living Means. If you've enjoyed our show, please consider leaving us a rating and review in your preferred podcast app. We'd really appreciate the feedback. I'm Vanessa Jasinski, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.